Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of James. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. Here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the general epistle of James, and we are finished with the first two portions of our outline, the testing of faith, uh, and uh, it goes from uh, chapter 1, verse 1, with the uh, purpose of testings, the introduction in verse 1, the purpose of testings in verse 2 through verse 12, and then the uh, verses 13 through 21, solicitation to do evil is not of God. When we come to this portion of Scripture, we find that the word temptation is a different use than the word temptation in the first 12 verses when it talks of trials uh, being given of God, trials from God. In this portion of Scripture, verses 13 and following, what we find is that this temptation that is mentioned here is an inward temptation or one that comes from inside yourself. This is that uh, uh, lust, that internal a temptation comes from the lust within you. Uh, it uh, causes death. This kind of temptation is uh, in is an internal one and not a testing or a trial from God, but it comes from man through the fall of Adam, and so it's a different situation. So the the trials of verses two through twelve are not avoidable. You can't avoid those. They come as part of our walk in this world. Um, they're external in origin. They fall on all men, all women, and you have those kind of trials. And uh, since they can't be avoided, um, they are given to us so that we might be encouraged to endure them and to mature as a result. However, when we look at these verses 13, 14, and 15, these temptations must be avoided. These are temptations brought on by your lust. These are internal to you, and they must be avoided according to God's express commandments Romans 13:14, 1 Timothy 6:11, and 2 Timothy 2:22. As you might recall from earlier lessons or other lessons that you've had, the progression of sin is from temptation to death. It has an analogy in the physical life cycle, conception, birth, maturity, and death. And that's the situation that we have with this kind of temptation that is brought from our own lusts and our own evil desires. James uses words with the same Greek root in verses 2 through 12 and 13 through 15 
but he uses it to express different concepts. Outwardly, trials and temptations may appear to be the same, and what may start as a trial may develop into temptation if not properly answered by the Word of God. And so understand that it's a different use of the Word in verses 13, 14, and 15, and let's get into the Word and see what it says. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And by the way, if I may insert here, I find that the misunderstanding oftentimes in the study of James is not understanding the difference in the use of the word temptation for testings and trials in verses 2 through 12, and then that uh, different use for internal temptation brought on by your own lust in verses 13, 14, and 15. Uh, Verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so we understand that sin, all of sin, and come short of the glory of God. We understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We understand that to be true, and we understand that we are to flee from those things that would cause us to sin, flee from youthful lusts. And so uh, here James says, when you are tempted by your evil lusts within you, don't say you're being tempted of God. He is not tempting you with evil, but every man is tempted by evil when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Now, do I have to get very graphic here? I don't think so. I I think you can understand because you are a human being and you are in a fallen body and you have experienced this. If you've walked with Christ for any length of time, you have experienced the sin that besets us, whatever that sin may be. Uh, You have experienced lust within yourself that caused you to shudder and to ask God to help you escape. We can't blame God for that. In fact, the word is very clear that we cannot ever blame God for temptation that comes from our own lusts. When you uh, watch something on television you shouldn't, or go to a movie you shouldn't go to, or go online and see something you shouldn't see, or read some book or magazine you shouldn't be reading, and you are tempted by your own lust, not by the words from the page or the pictures uh, on the internet or in the movie, but by your own lust is why you are tempted. Certainly not by God. God didn't send it your way. You did it yourself. You probably even paid a price for it, some sort of a ticket or some sort of a a fee. Why would you do that? Because you have lust in your heart. Because you are a fallen person. You say, no, I'm absolutely sinless. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. 
And when you get discussing with me about your sinlessness, you may find out that you're not as sinless as you think because you might get angry with me for no reason just because I question your sinlessness. Hmm, something to think about, isn't it? Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This is speaking of that lust of the flesh, pride of life, pride of eye, uh, uh, lust of the flesh and the pride of life. You know, that's exactly what it's talking about. It's talking about the life that you want to live in a fashion that is sinful and degrading, that you lust to do certain things, you desire to do evil things because your heart is evil. That's what it's talking about here. Do not err, my beloved brethren. He says, you're still my brothers here. I'm talking to I'm talking to people in the congregation. Maybe not in the faith, but in the congregation I'm talking to. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. The mistake would be that you think that you're strong enough. No, flee from these things. Flee from these lustful aberrations, these tryings of your faith, these temptations brought on through your own sin. Flee from them. And so, don't make a mistake. Don't think that you are strong enough in and of yourself to take care of yourself. Don't make that mistake. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, we would say variation, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift. Well, there are two words that are used here in the original uh, for gift. The first is the act of giving. The second is the thing given. And so something is gifted and something is a gift. Something is a gift, something is gifted. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, no variation, neither shadow of turning. Now, I think this is very interesting, and I want to talk about it for just a second. The idea of a shadow of turning. When the sun is making its, its move in the orbit, you know, and uh, we're going from east to west, uh, the sun is, and, and we are watching it move across the sky in the daytime, we're seeing a change in shadows, a change in the shadow, perhaps, of myself or of something. Maybe you've got a sundial, and you've got the shade, the shadow, moving on that sundial. Well, you see, that's the sun because the sun moves around. Actually, the earth moves, too. 
And so we have all of that going on. But the perfect gifts of God, the salvation that's ours through Jesus Christ, and every good gift, every perfect gift from God, comes down from the Father of lights. That is, God himself, God the Father, God Almighty, with whom is no variation. He's always the same. He is immutable. He doesn't change. And neither shadow of turning. He doesn't move. He's immutable and immovable. And so there's no difference in the shadow today and the shadow tomorrow that's made by something that's standing still because God never moves. The truth never moves. The truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. When God gives the truth in the Word of God, it is always the truth of God. It does not change. You can retranslate it. You can reconfigure it in some fashion, but the truth of God's Word does not change. You may change it, but that doesn't mean that the truth of God's Word changed. It means that you changed the meaning or the wording. You didn't change what God had originally set for you. You see, that's why I have such problem, and I think most who believe the Word of God have such problem with people who decide that they don't like a certain portion of Scripture, so therefore they retranslate that portion of Scripture to be something else, so that it does not affect them in the same way or same fashion that it would if it were in the original a translation or the original meaning of the translation. Uh, I've often thought that maybe I should write my own version of the Bible. But then I thought, why would I want to do that? I write a version of the Bible every day. It's called my life. And you do too. Unfortunately, we mess it up most days. We don't quite get it the way it ought to be most days. But we have an opportunity each and every day of our life to write an epistle, to write what people see as being God's Word in our very lives. I'm often reminded, especially on mission trips, that sometimes the only Bible anyone will read is you or me. They'll see our lives, that's all they'll read, and they won't see Christ, unfortunately, because we don't live in such a way for Christ to be seen. How sad that is. How unfortunate and how ungodly if our life does not show forth Jesus Christ then it is worthless our life is being lived in vain do not err my beloved brethren verse 16 once again so we know that the good gifts come from God not the bad things not the nastiness of the world not the nastiness of the lust of the flesh or any of that? No. That doesn't come from God, but the gifts, the, the good gifts, the perfect gifts come from God, and he never changes, and his good gifts don't change, and he never, sh he never casts a shadow in a different way, never shades anything differently. He never shades the truth in some fashion other than what it is. It is blatantly true or not. God does not turn a phrase. God does not change a phrase. God gives you the truth. 
Verse 18, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creation, his creatures, of his own will. Now, that's an interesting way to look at what God did when he created us. We see that he created us because he chose to do so. We were not happenstance. We were not by some accident. Oops! We were not something that God was trying to accomplish and all of a sudden we came around. No, it was of his own will he formed us with the word of his truth. That he should be, we should be, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So we are his creation and we're sort of the head of the creation. That's, that's what James is implying here and telling us. And it was by God's will that he made us so. It was not because we're special in and of ourselves, but God made us that way. Now, there is one way to look at this phrase, and it's one I want you to follow with me very closely and just think about it. I'm not asking that you accept what I'm saying here, but I'm asking that you think about this turn of the phrase. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. He made us, he created us with the word of truth. Now, let me ask you a question. In the New Testament, there is the word. You want to go there? Of course you do. You want to go back to John, don't you? And we go to John, and I'm turning there right now in my Bible, and I trust you are too. We go to John, and let's go to John chapter 1, if I can get my fingers to get there. John chapter 1, and here we read it. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it, or put it out, not. The darkness could not make the light dark couldn't take it into itself, couldn't lay hold on it, couldn't apprehend it, is the word. And so here we are in James, talking in verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be kind of firstfruits of his creation. And here we see that in the beginning, the word was there, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness couldn't turn it off. So when you look at verse 18 of his own will, that is God's own will, he created with, he created us, with the word of truth. Now, what's the word of truth? 
Jesus Christ said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And John 1, 1 through 1, 5 tells us that Jesus Christ is the Word, and all things were made by him, and not was anything made that was made unless Christ himself made it. So what that tells me in verse 18 is, God himself of his own will, with his Son Jesus Christ our Lord, made us. It was with the word of truth. And he created us. And why did he create us? So we could show forth the glory of God by being a kind of first fruits of the creation of Almighty God. You see, man is special. We don't come from anything. We are created especially. And we're created by Almighty God for special purposes, my friend. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Buffalo, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.